those of you that don't know me yet, my name is Cody Wason. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch and uh, excited to continue our series called Jesus Stories. You guys are going to be blessed tonight. But before we jump into that, I have the honor of doing something that one of my favorite things we do as a church. Uh, we are a part of a, not only the, the, the Antioch movement that, if you didn't know, is worldwide. We have churches all over the United States, all over the world, but we're a part of the Big C Church. And not only do we want to see Salt Lake City transform, but we want to be a part of seeing disciples made all around the world in every context and every culture. And so from time to time, someone like me gets to stand up here and send out a group of people that have said yes to sacrificing time and money and talent and days off and paid time days off and non-paid days off and all the things that they might be able to go be a part of what Jesus is doing in the nations. And tonight, I have the privilege of sending out a team to Dubai, United Arab Emirates. So if you're on that team, come on up, wherever you are. Let's clap for them. So these guys um, are, are going to go uh, all the way to Dubai, and I, they don't know exactly what all they'll be doing. They'll be partnering with uh, our team there, our Antioch long-term team in Dubai. But what we already know is that they uh, have been invited and asked to uh, step into a neighborhood um, that's kind of off the beaten path. I don't know if you know uh, or are familiar with Dubai, but Dubai is one of the, like, it is the crossroads of the Middle East, and it is a tourist haven if you get a chance to go. My wife and I got to go in November. It's incredible. Uh, but they're actually not doing all the touristy things. They're going to go off into the real part of the city, and they are actually been, been tasked with uh, meeting people and starting a small group, starting a life group amongst primarily uh, Muslims living in the area. And so I just want to encourage not only them, but just take a moment and say, when we t get up here and talk about life group, and we talk about living life together, we talk about these Tuesday evenings where we gather around some food with some worship, and we talk about scripture, it's like, yeah, that's the American thing to do. Like, that's what churches do, because there's nothing else that we figured out to do. When in reality, we're partnering with what, not only what the early church did when they gathered house to house, but we're gathering and we're joining with the, the big C, the global church, and the thought that they're going to be starting a life group that is a primarily amongst non-believers, Muslim background, and they're going to do the same thing that you and I do on Tuesday nights or Thursday nights. They're just going to worship. They're going to, they're going to pray. They're going to talk about Scripture. They're going to become friends, and then they're going to get them plugged in to the local church. How cool is that? What we do on Tuesdays matter, all right? So... Uh, hey, what we want to do, we're family here in Scripture. It says that they would lay hands on the apostles, lay hands on the leaders, lay hands on the people, and send them out to the nation, send them out to wherever they're going. So I don't know if there's anything magical about putting a hand on, but it's biblical. We're going to do it. So if you're a friend or family, if, there, if there's someone up here that you want to come around and join in praying, I didn't even finish the sentence. I got to get out of the way. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. So here's what's about to happen. We're just going <clears> to, <throat> I got to cast vision for this prayer. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, hey, even if you didn't come up, 
uh, just join us in praying. Extend a hand if you're comfortable. Hey, everyone up here, we're just gonna, I'm going to turn the mic off for just a minute. Just pray whatever God puts on your heart. You can just say it out loud and just pray it over and bless them. What would you want prayed over you if you were heading over to the Middle East, some for the first time, to uh, witness uh, to that part of the world? And then I'll have my beautiful wife, Kate, close it out. So go ahead and let's pray. Yes, Jesus, we proclaim your spirit over these men and women, God. We send them forth in power, God. We say, would your spirit go before them and make a way? Would hearts be open to the gospel message? Would powerful things happen through these men and women? Would they see healing and restoration of lives, God? Would they see people come from darkness into light, Jesus? We speak truth. We speak truth to be opened up in people's eyes and hearts, God, that they would know the truth and it would set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that, that honestly is uh, one of my favorite parts about being a part of this family and tribe. We, we're going to be sending teams out all the time. I, if that was weird for you, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to ask you to get used to it. Because I am praying that we do that an awful, awful lot. And so uh, it's fun to be a part of what God's doing in the nations. And it's good to believe locally for transformation, but we've got to have a global mindset for the Great Commission and what God's doing. Okay. Well, it's also a distinct honor of mine to get to uh, uh, introduce tonight's speaker. If you were here last week, I gave it away, which I'm kind of bummed about. Uh, but uh, I would love for you guys to give a rousing welcome. Rousing. I could have used a different word maybe, <laughs> but I didn't. So just whatever that means to you, let's take it up. Uh, and let's uh, welcome to the stage our women's pastor, one of our dear friends, Elizabeth Pearson. Thank you. That was rousing. Well done. <laughs> well, thanks, Cody. Man, who's thankful for Cody and Kate Mason? What, uh, man, what, Cody and Kate were actually the first folks that we ever met from Antioch Salt Lake. We, I hounded her on Facebook, and uh, man, right off the bat, what Matt and I, we, I remember just debriefing from dinner from them, we're like, they're the real deal. Like, these guys are the real deal, real, true disciples of Jesus who want to lay it all down, just pastors at heart. So, yeah, let's be thankful for their leadership, and yeah, so thankful for friendship with y'all. But yeah, as Cody said, my name's Elizabeth, women's pastor here. My husband, Matt, and I have been a part of Antioch Salt Lake since it was, uh, came off the ground four years ago. It's been a wild ride. And uh, man, I, I love this church. <laughs> I do. I just, I just want to speak from my heart. I love this community. I love what God's doing in this city. I love this room and just the hunger here. <laughs> Like, you guys 
there's just a hunger in this room. You guys want Jesus for real, for real. And it's cool. Like, it's just so cool to be a part of. We've been so rocked by this community and what God's doing here and just that genuine hunger. So I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited to, to hang out. Uh, my husband, Matt, and I, we have three boys. I think we have a family picture coming up here. So <laughs> Levi, John, and Gabe. We're about to go on a train ride, and they are really excited. <laughs> so uh, you'll see them after the service, I'm sure, running laps out in the courtyard, because that's what little boys do, nonstop chaos. Well, I will tell you that, um, so we've lived in Salt Lake for five years now, and I, I love Salt Lake City, love the mountains, love, um, love what God's doing. And I will confess that when I first stepped foot on Salt Lake, however, I, I did not love it. I did not love Salt Lake City. In fact, the first time we came out to Salt Lake City, it was for a four-day weekend, and um, we, were, we were out here this whole time, and I was in a mood, like, the whole time. I was just, like, picture teenager in 30-something 30 30 body. I was like, will not be impressed. People are like, oh, look at the mountains. This is cool. That, you know, and I'm like, eh, they're okay. Like, I don't, they're all right. And I, I just had this irritability. I cried most of the time. And I had two, two excuses <laughs> for my... Um, tantrum, long-term tantrum, I guess. My first excuse was that uh, I was pregnant with our middle child, John, and I don't, pregnancy is an excuse for any kind of irrational moodiness. I don't need, yeah, all you dads in the house remember those moments, like, honey, what's wrong? And they're like, I'm, I'm pregnant. Like, that's, I don't know. There's no reason for hormones. But so I was pregnant. And the second reason was that we were, Matt was interviewing for this position at the U that would potentially move our family to Salt Lake City, and I could not see it. Like, I had, I had my fist just gripped. I'm like, this does not fit who I am, what God has for our family. Like, I just had this block. I'm like, no, I have these ideas, and this is not, this does not compute. And it wasn't that... It wasn't that I wasn't excited about just, it wasn't that I wanted, oh, I wanted to stay where we were. We'd be in the same area in North Carolina for about 10 years and had a lot of friends and stuff. But we, and we were ready, we were ready to leave that. We felt like God was saying, be willing to follow me anywhere. And, and we're like, cool, anywhere. And I'm like, you know, Europe and Colorado. And, and then just somehow the idea that Salt Lake could fit in the box of anywhere just was not registering for me. And it wasn't until God just really showed up in a, in a pretty uncanny way at the end of that weekend, and I'll share a little bit more about that later tonight, but it wasn't until then that God just kind of shifted something in my heart, and I began to loosen my grip on my ideas. You see, when, when God says let go, we're tempted to hold back. We're tempted to hold back and hold tight. I think God wants to speak to us about that tonight. I don't know what you walked in the room with here. I don't know what, what letting go might look like in this season. Maybe you're facing a big, um, yeah, maybe you're facing a big decision with, you know, moving your family or a career or, um, you know, 
major in school. I, I don't know if it's something big or if it's something just as simple as open your mouth and share your story or, you know, wake up in the morning. I, and I think some of you might even be in a place where you're, God's just saying, hey, let go of trying to grab for the next thing and sit tight. But I do know that it's, it's hard. <laughs> Surrender is hard. We're in, a, um, we're in a series here, as Cody said, called Jesus Stories and just kind of unpacking these moments when Jesus came on the scene and walked this earth and, and the words that he spoke and the encounters that he had and just believing that God wants to speak to us through, he wants to encounter us and do something in our hearts um, as we just study his word. And, and we're going to look tonight at an encounter that Jesus had with a young man who really just wrestled with the cost. He really wrestled with just the struggle to, to let go and say yes to what Jesus was inviting him into. So we're going to have it up on the screen. We're going to be in Mark 10, 17 through 22. And just want to say this is a familiar story. A lot of you are going to be like, oh, this one, you know, you've heard sermons on it before, whatever. And um, just want to say, I really believe God has a fresh new word for us tonight. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's open our hearts. We're in Mark 10, like I said, starting in verse 17. As he went out into the street, a man came running up, greeted him with great reverence, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, Why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. He said, Teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And come follow me. The man's face clouded over. That was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We acknowledge that you are worthy, that you are worth it all. And we just say tonight, just supernaturally, would you loosen the grip on our hearts of anything that we're holding on to? We just say, would you do what only you can do? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if there's one um, takeaway that I hope just lodges itself in our hearts and minds tonight, it's this. Holding back rips you off. Holding back rips you off. Laura and I did not coordinate. God has something to say to us tonight. Holding back rips you off. See, when you encounter Jesus, he asks for everything. Like, he, he asks for everything. He says these things like, like, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever would wish to find his life must lose it. Like, <laughs> he asks for everything. He asks for everything to give us this, like, 
new everything that's above and beyond anything we could comprehend or ask or imagine. It's, it's unthinkable. The, the way that Jesus says it to this young man here, he, he calls it this the heavenly wealth, like above and beyond, can't fit it in your mind kind of life. Jesus says, you know, if you'd follow me, if whoever would follow me will have abundant life. It's like my boys are into Toy Story, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> like out of the box, we can't fit it in our grid. But he, he asks for everything. <laughs> And I think as we dig deeper in this passage tonight, I just want to say, like, let's not judge this guy. I, th- I think, honestly, I, th- I think that, th- that God just wants to hold it up as a mirror in our souls. It, it's real. The wrestle is real. And, and even as this guy's just running to Jesus, honestly, I, I mean, he was doing the church stuff. He was going to life group. He was probably giving to a lot of charities. He had a lot of followers on Instagram. He was making it happen. I think he, like, he knew that there was more. He's like, I'm doing all the things, but Jesus, what about this, like, like eternal? Like, what about the heavenly, say that with me, heavenly wealth, heavenly, above and beyond? But holding back will rip us off. And we, we can talk about these things, and it's, like, inspiring, like, yeah, I surrender all. That sounds really good. Jesus, you're so worthy. But I I really believe that tonight, uh, God just wants to give us some handrails, some real, we just want to talk really practically. How, like, how do we do that? It is hard to loosen our grip. How do we, what does surrender actually look like? And I believe God just wants to speak to us about that through his words and through these words of Jesus. And uh, so we, we just look at this passage. The first thing that Jesus says to this man, he says, sell. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Or um, when, when I think about selling, I, it's, it's a very just intentional decision. <laughs> you know, there's a, it's kind of a, a, a choice. Like, I am going to be, if, okay, I'm posting this old couch on KSL. Like, I'm going to be done with it. I'm putting, I'm, I'm truly letting it go. So Matt and I are um, hopefully closing on a house, if all goes as planned, uh, a week from next Friday. And uh, after we close on our new house, we will put our, next, our current house up for the, uh, you know, on the market. We're just moving right around the corner, a bigger yard for the boys. And um, when, we, when, we put, when we put our house on the market, when we sign the papers and we receive money, like we are saying, I am letting it go. I am done with it. And this, this home, these walls that have been our home, that have been just this very personal space for us, we will have no right to walk in those doors. We're like, I'm done with this life. I'm done with this thing. I'm letting it go. It's official. I'm going to describe it another way. It's... Um, so it's summertime, as you know, and uh, over back, looking through my just childhood summers, I was spent most of my summers just at the pool and riding bikes around the neighborhood. But I, I have this one memory of this one summer, uh, one summer afternoon where I got sucked into daytime television. Anybody remember those afternoons as a kid? And you're like, where were my parents? <laughs> like, they're rotting your brain. Stop. Start off. But I got sucked in, I'm, I'm, I don't remember where, I don't remember where my family was, my parents, but I'm watching, I was probably 10-ish, and I started watching that Bill Murray movie, uh, Beetlejuice. Remember, anybody? 
I think it's like eight, it must be 80s if it's Bill Murray, but he, it's like a, if you haven't seen it, it's like a comic, comedy ghost story, and I'm watching Beetlejuice, and I'm, I'm watching, I remember I, I kind of sort of entertained, and as I'm watching, I sort of get this creepy feeling, and I'm thinking, I'm scared, like, I don't like this, I don't, I don't think I want to watch this. And, but I was like, I was sucked in. I had this internal rule that if I start something, I have to finish it. And I'm like, if I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm scared. I don't want to watch it. But how am I going to go to bed tonight if I don't know how Beetlejuice ends, you know? And I start to hear kids playing outside. And I'm just having this, like, internal conflict. I don't, I don't know. And, and I'm watching. And all of a sudden, I have this epiphany. And I think, no one's making me watch it. Like, I don't, I don't have to watch it. And I had this like freedom moment, my little 10-year-old self, and I turn off the movie and I st- to this day, I'll never forget, I remember walking on the front step, like walking out on our front porch in our house and hearing the birds sing and just the sun's hitting my skin. And I, I think I teared up. I'm like, freedom! <laughs> you know, like, it's not a ghost world. Like, it's not, my life is not a ghost story. Like, truly woke up from a nightmare, you know. You see, friends, it's very easy to get sucked into a lesser life and not realize that the door is open right behind us, you know? We could get stuck in these rules like, I, you know, I, I got to finish it. Well, I don't know. This is what I do. This is who I am. And we don't realize that there's something very simple, just a choice that's available to us to let go, to turn Paul says in Philippians 3.13, he says, uh, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. There's, There's this element of forgetting, of letting go and dropping it. I just believe that some of you in the room might need to just hear, it's time to forget it. Like, forget it. Delete the phone number. Set the alarm. Make the phone call. I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit might be saying, but there's a freedom, and, and I'm not trying to oversimplify or minimize the process or the struggle. But Jesus, he opened the door. Jesus says, sell. The next thing that, this, that Jesus says to this young man is Give. Go sell whatever you have and give to the poor. I just want to make a quick note about context here. You know, when we read the Word of God, we always read it within its historical and literary context, right? So the best way I've heard it said is that the Bible is not written to us, but it is written for us. So we have to read it through that lens. And so as we're, we're kind of reading this, if we're to read this passage and, and Jesus says to this guy, hey, go sell whatever you have and give to the poor, you know, if... I think we intuitively understand that that doesn't mean that every true disciple, okay, that's what every disciple of Jesus is supposed to go sell everything they have, give it away to a local charity, and join like a monastery. Is it monastery for guys and convent? Nunnery. I just want to say nunnery. (laughs) Like, we understand, like, that's, that can't be what he means. Like, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't say that to everyone, you know. Because Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he speaks to us personally. And so there's a principle at play, and there's something about surrender, and there's something about giving all. 
But we have to dig a little deeper to kind of get into what, what he's actually saying to this man and what God might be wanting to say to us. And I want to I propose to you that as, as Jesus is saying, hey, give away your possessions, I believe what he's kind of digging at and getting at with this guy in particular is he's saying, hey, like hand over the very thing that's holding you back and that's, that's binding you up from relationship with me. And I want to kind of dig into the text just a little bit more to kind of speak to to where we're seeing this. Jesus, he says these really strange words. I think we have it back up on the screen. He says, uh, you know, he he asks, this guy asks him, hey, like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, "Uh, why do you call me good? No one is good, only God. (laughs) And sometimes we read that and we're like, what is he? Is he saying he's not God? Like, oh no, that's, what does it mean? I should skip over that, you know. But again, context, like we read scripture in the total canon, we understand Jesus clearly revealed himself as God's son, as God incarnate, and and so we understand that can't be what he's saying, right? So what's he doing? He's he's answering a question with a question. He's doing some probing. See, I'm a, um, I'm a counselor by trade, and in the field of mental health, kind of in the training world, there's this phrase that's thrown out sometimes, we'll say the, the wise therapist, and we'll be like talking about a case, and it's like, oh, in you know, such and such a case, situation, the wise therapist would perceive such and such and respond, and you know, the wise therapist would da-da-da. So Jesus is being a wise therapist. (laughs) He's being savvy. He's answering a question with a question. He's pressing this man's idea of goodness and generosity. He's like, you you have no comprehension of goodness. Like, goodness flows from God. You can't even fit that in your grid. Like, and and you're holding on to this wealth. He's saying, hey, just hand over that. You You have no idea. And he's probing and he's digging and he's seeing this guy's bondage and asking him to hand it over. So we need to understand something about the the character of Jesus, that when he asks us for, when he asks us for something, he's not trying to steal from us. He's trying to heal us. He's not trying to steal from you. He's trying to heal you. And I just want to ask, what would what would it look like in our lives if we believe that enough to hand over whatever he required? I don't understand, but I'm going to open my mouth. I don't understand, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward even though I'm afraid. I don't understand, but I'm going to end this relationship that means so much to me. Because he loves me. <laughs> The last thing that Jesus says is follow. Follow me. This past spring, the Antioch Discipleship School had, a, had an open house and uh, flew in this guest speaker from YWAM, Youth with a Mission, guy who travels all over the place, just telling his story. His name's Dan Bauman. Several of you guys were there for that. And um, a powerful story. But he was a missionary in Afghanistan for, for a I don't remember how long, uh, and during which time he was imprisoned in Iran. And uh, he's telling his story, and he talks about how he's flying, he's on the plane on his way to Afghanistan, and he's just having this moment with Jesus, like, 
okay, I've heard you, I'm following you, I'm surrendering all, but where is this going? And, and he just has this moment, and the Holy Spirit whispers these words to him, and, and he says, Dan, the main reason I'm calling you Af- to Afghanistan is because it's the best place for you and I to get tight. And, like, he's telling the story, and those words just keep ringing through as he's describing these days and nights where he's in prison in Iran. He doesn't know if he's going to be executed the next morning. He's beaten every day and, you know, doesn't know if he'll ever see his family again. It's like, best place for me and Jesus to get tight. Like, I haven't been able to get it out of my head, just that picture. (laughs) Because, see, Jesus is the treasure, Like, he's the treasure. He's the holy grail. It's knowing him that's the treasure of all treasures. He's the one who surrendered all, lived perfectly on our behalf, died the death that we could not die so that we would have freedom and forgiveness and new life. Paul says, I've counted everything as loss compared to what? To knowing Yeah, knowing Jesus. (laughs) He's the treasure. Going back to our first weekend out here in Salt Lake City. We were here for four days, and like I said, I just cried the whole time. (laughs) I'm like, not having it. I don't know. This can't be what what God means, and just had this kind of creepy growing feeling like, I don't know, maybe I should open my heart to it, but still kind of blocked. And just through this, like, this really crazy series of events, Matt and I ended up at the, in this tiny chapel that was meeting directly under our hotel window where we were staying on the used campus. And it was just crazy. And we were like, I, uh, yeah, okay. So we go in this little chapel, and there's a group of believers just worshiping in there. And uh, we walk in the doors of this little chapel, and the Holy Spirit comes on me at that moment and just says, I'm moving in this city in a way that's going to change history. Do you want to be a part of it? And I'm just crying again, you know, and that doesn't even, <laughs> like, just cry. Like, and uh, that before even getting to processes with him, just a couple hours later, we ended up at the lower part of Ensign Peak, like not the whole top hike, but, you know, that, like, lower outlook. And we're standing over top of the valley. And we come up to the valley I just remember standing up there, and all of a sudden, I, I couldn't breathe, and I just had this burden to pray, and I just remember thinking, like, I have to pray, I have to pray, I, I can't even, but I couldn't even talk, and I couldn't say anything to Matt about it, because I had such a burden to pray that I couldn't even speak, I couldn't even breathe, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, God loves this place, and just had this burden, and next thing I know, Matt just, like, grabs my hand, just starts praying and speaking life over the valley, and we just look back at that moment in history, and we're like, God just gave us a burden, boop, just right then. And people, people will ask, like, oh, is, did, did God call you to Salt Lake City then? I, I'm like, I, I don't know, I guess. I, we got a taste of his heart. <laughs> and we got an invitation to get tight with him. You see, it's not about the place. It's not about the thing. It's about the person of Jesus and walking with him. And even as I look back over these five years that we've been in Salt Lake so far, I'm just... Man, I, I think about the words Jesus says these words to his disciples as he's kind of debriefing the interaction with the, with the rich young ruler. And, and he's, he says, hey, whoever would give up everything, houses, mother, brothers, sisters, will receive a hundredfold in this life and the time to come with trouble. 
there's been a lot of times I'm like, yeah, like, I've, I believe that. I've lived, yes. I've, we have seen God do above and beyond what I, have, what I expected, honestly. I'm like, whoa, holy cow, with trouble. But, but honestly, like, I still struggle to surrender. There's all these areas in my heart to this day where I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to get up on that stage. I don't know if I want to, I don't, I'm in the dark. I don't know where this is going. Ugh. Like, it's hard. But I do know that it's been the best place for me and Jesus to get tight. And he is worth it. He is worth it, friends. He is worth it, and he loves us. He loves this city. What would this city look like if we got that and we believed that and we trusted him and live our, lived our lives in that reality? He's worth it, and he loves you. He wants to set you free. God so loved the world that he gave his son, right? Just thankful for Jesus. We're going to move into a time of response. And like I said, I don't know what you walked in these doors with. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey or in your walk with God. I don't know what it looks like for you to say yes and to say, I'm... I'm letting go, and I want to move forward into the new and into what you have for me, whether it's something big or something small or if it just means sitting tight. (laughs) But I believe God wants to bring breakthrough in our hearts tonight. And maybe maybe there are some of you in this room who... Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're saying, I don't, I don't even know him personally at all, and I want to start following this person, Jesus, and I can, I can identify with this young man who's saying, I, I, there's got to be more. <laughs> I want authentic relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, we're just going to take a time right now to respond and pray. Uh, scripture says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved, have a relationship with him. So... We're going to have a space to do that right now. So everybody can bow your head and close your eyes. And if that's you, feel free to just pray along in your heart with me. Jesus, I thank you that that you surrendered all for me. And I just say yes to this gift of life. I say yes to turning the remote off and turning the, turning the television off, going out the door. I want to enter relationship with you. I acknowledge that I am not enough, but I receive your enough. I receive your perfection on my behalf. I receive your, my, your perfect love. <laughs> and I say yes to following you all the days of my life. Amen. Well, the rest of you can go ahead and stand to your feet. And we're just going to have some ministry time, just a time to respond to what the Holy Spirit may have done in this room. And I just want to say, let's not hold back. Let's not be ripped off from the freedom and the life and the destiny that God has in store for us. So I'm going to invite the ministry leaders to come on down towards the front. And we
we just have some people here who are available to pray for you, just to link arms with you. And I just want to say, if God did something in your heart, don't hold back. Speak it out loud. Ask someone to just pray and agree for breakthrough and forward movement. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are so worthy. We thank you that you surrendered all to give us new life. And we just say yes to you. May we be a people who do not hold back but step into life and intimacy with you. We thank you that you, Jesus, are worth it. Amen.